Today, we just want to welcome you guys to Easter. As most of us know, Easter is one of the most holy days, but during this time, we can sometimes get so many different kinds of messages telling us what it's all about, yeah? In fact, the other night, actually, um, I got such a message from my youngest son. He's seven years old. His name is Micah. Uh, and so we had just actually returned from Eugenia's cousin's house after a night of food, playing games, and Easter eggs. And then after I put the kids to bed, I opened the fridge, and this is what I saw. Now, it's a bit hard to read. That's his Easter egg. And this was his message to his dad. Dad, don't eat my Easter egg or else. So, you know, shock horror, you know, after putting them to bed, loving and caring my kids, he was like treasuring this Easter egg. And then there's this bit that says, or else. And I'm like, is that a threat? (laughs) Like, like, what does or else mean? And then there's like this arrow that's pointing down, and I'm like pulling the drawer, seeing what's underneath. Uh, Maybe it's just trying to say, Dad, you're going down if you eat this egg, right? Uh, So like for me, as a dad, as a pastor, I was shocked. Is this what my son thinks what Easter is all about? So I decided to send him this message. Right? (laughs) Amen! Yay! So for those who can't see it, I took the egg, I scrunched the, the paper into the shape of a cross, And dear son, Easter is about Jesus forgiving people, even dads. So, round one, dad one, Micah, zero. (laughs) But you know what? Um, Well, this Good Friday, I want us to have the right message about what this day is about. And that is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I've titled my message today, A Different Death. And we're going to finish off in this Luke series that we've been going through, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 22, verses 1 to 6, and we're going to get straight into it. And this is what it says. The festival of the unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. And the leading priests and teachers of the religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard, to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me just pray. Lord God, we just want to pray. And thank you that we have this incredible message, this life-changing message that has brought us into relationship with you and changed our lives. And I thank you for this gospel, God. That is the power of salvation for all who would believe. And I pray for your spirit to release your power, God, to help eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe that it's through the death and resurrection of Christ that we can have life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You know, today we're talking about the death of Jesus. And, you know, death as a topic can be a very uncomfortable topic. Uh, When I think about it, you know, when I was younger, I was 
I rarely spoke about it because you're quite ignorant, you know, in your season of life where there's not a lot of death happening around. You might hear about it, but it doesn't really come close and connect with you emotionally. But then as you get older, you come across more and more experiences where you encounter death and so much of people that you care and love about. But I don't know what your relationship and posture and attitude towards death is. For some of us, we would much rather avoid it, right? It's something where I just don't want to think about it. Uh, it'll just stick our head in the sand. It'll never happen. For some of us, we're afraid of it. And what comes with it that can sometimes lead us to a place of anxiety and worry? For some of us, death can trigger emotions of sadness, grief, or anger. And you know, more often than not, what we associate with death, it may not be a physical death, it might be a death of a dream, it might be a death of a relationship, it might be a death of an ambition or a business venture. Whatever it is, oftentimes, whatever we associate with death is often associated with loss. As most of you guys would have known in my own experience, you know, I remember I was quite young, I think I was uh, maybe 10, 12, when my grandfather passed away, and I remember flying back to Malaysia, and that was my first wet, uh, funeral that I had to go to, and it was, a, it was a Buddhist funeral. And then I remember I was in university, and uh, we were in a hospital, and this was when of one of my um, late wife's close friends, his name was Rashad, uh, he was in medical school, and he was driving a car at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, fell asleep in the wheel, uh, and then smashed into a light pole, and then the pole hit and smashed his head, and he died. And that was confronting because it was like, whoa, that was one of the very first times where death came close. And then obviously me going through cancer and having to face the possibility of death in itself and obviously with the passing of my late wife a few years ago. But I think over time I've become a little bit more familiar with death and come to a place of accepting it. Because I think if we were to be truthful about it, people die all the time. Yeah? Um, people die all the time, but one of the things that's significant is that but when Jesus died, it was different. Can I hear an amen? You know, the passing of many individuals will fade over time, but yet for some reason, the death of Jesus is still remembered and celebrated by millions of people all around the world. Can I hear an amen? People die all the time, but when Jesus died, it was different. Now, you may not be a believer of Jesus Christ, but one thing you can at least acknowledge is that his death is different. His death has had an incredible impact and increasing reach through countless of generations. It was a death that had the breadth across all people, all nations, and all cultures leaving this indelible mark in, of, in human history. It's a death that never seems to leave us. You know, in the Bible, there's a name, guy by the name of uh, Gamaliel who was a Pharisee, and he was saying, if this early movement of Christianity was of man, it, when you kill the leader, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, it will not be overthrown. Can I hear an amen? And even till today, thousands of years later, his death still remains with us as a significant moment in life. But one of the key things about the death of Jesus that is so different is that a lot of us would spend our time, our life, avoiding death, but Jesus chose to die. In fact, as we see, you know, we first read in that scripture, 
All these leaders, religious leaders, were plotting to kill Jesus, but yet little did they know it was just the unfolding plan of God's predetermined will. And here, as Jesus was making his way, as we went through the book of Luke, he's making his way towards Jerusalem. He was making his way to Jerusalem to die. In fact, actually, when you read in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, he begins to give this hint to the disciples, saying, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. And here Jesus begins to get, unveil this hint that he was coming here with an agenda. He was coming here with a purpose. He was coming, choosing to die. In fact, in verse 22, it says, For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, But God knew what would happen, and His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. And with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed Him to a cross and killed Him. But God released Him from the horrors of death and raised Him back to life, for death could not keep Him in its grip. Can I hear an amen? That was a very soft amen. amen. Thank you. Let's try again. Ready? Amen. 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 Yeah. And as we go through the book of Luke, what I want to be able to unpack with this is that we see Jesus begin to repurpose what death means. Repurpose how his death is different because most deaths give us loss, but Jesus' death gives us life. And here we see in this beginning in chapter 22 where we have the Passover meal, and this is what it says. When the time came, Jesus and apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among you as a friend, is the man who will betray me, for it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. And here, where Jesus' death is different, Jesus begins to unpack to his disciples who could not comprehend because death always equals loss. Death always means you lose. Death always means you're a victim. But yet Jesus was trying to repurpose our understanding and his purpose behind his death. And here, where they're having the Passover meal. And here he begins to reinterpret it with new symbols, with a new deliverance. Here, as they have this Passover meal, it was an annual symbolic meal where the Jewish people celebrated the deliverance from slavery in Egypt through the lamb, the death of a lamb. And God invited them into a covenant relationship. But here we find Jesus doing something significant. He's giving them a new symbol. This bread represents my body that is broken for you. This cup represents my blood that will be shed, anticipating what was going to happen on that cross. And here through this, he would deliver Israel, not just from Egypt, not just from slavery, but to deliver them from the powers of sin. And here he was reimagining them, reinterpreting these symbols with a new symbol and a new deliverance. 
Now, this is significant for all of us. Because, you know, a lot of the times when we try to look for life, we go, God, come and deliver me from my circumstances. Yeah? Deliver me from the, 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 the financial hardships. God, deliver me from this illness. God, deliver me from my spouse. Oh, God, deliver me from my children. God, deliver me from my you know, hard boss. We, we ask God to change our circumstances. But yet, throughout all of history, God would always look down and see a greater deliverance that was needed. Because the greatest problem, the deepest problem, was the issue of sin. And God saw how sin had ravaged the world. And the Bible story tells me in a thousand ways that God has made a way to deal with the deepest problem that is sin within me. Sin that bends our heart, that makes us do the things our own way and not God's way. It is a thing that grips our hearts to make everything more difficult than it needs to be. It is sin that turns love into lust. It is sin that makes a safe home into a place where the deepest human hurts can occur. It is sin that changes, that, that brings laziness into our work, a lack of integrity, selfishness, where we prioritize our desires over the good of our employee or even the good of our colleagues. It is sin that affects the way we use our money. It is sin that causes us to have greed, dishonesty, that hold on to material things more than we need to, where we prioritize wealth and possessions over our relationships and generosity. It is sin that impacts the way we relate to one another, that it causes anger, it causes jealousy, envy, gossip, unforgiveness, bitterness, where we prioritize me over the needs of others that causes conflicts and brokenness. It is sin that causes us to not be able to rest, where we feel like we need to control our life where we feel that we are filled with fear and worry, where we want to prioritize productivity and achievement over rest and self-care. It is sin that causes us to find it really hard to manage people because people with their attitudes of pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, entitlement, it is sin that makes it hard for us to see another person's perspective. It is sin that ravages our world. And when God looked down on this earth, He didn't just see a right government or wrong government. He didn't just see the financial distress of the economy. He saw that underneath everything, the deepest problem is the issue of sin. Can I hear an amen? But yet we cannot escape this sin because it dwells within you and I. We can't outsmart it. We can't buy our way out of it. We cannot move to escape it. We need something more than love and encouragement, more than insight and information. What we need is rescue. And anything less will not address what is deeply wrong inside of us. And that is why we need Jesus to die for us on that cross. Can I hear an amen? And it is through the death of Jesus that we experience that life. A life freed from sin. So I don't know what challenges and struggles that you are facing today. Maybe you've been trying to find a deliverance outside of you. 
trying to pray to God to find a deliverance from the circumstances you're facing. But maybe this day, I just pray that God will help you see the deliverance that he wants to bring to you to come to the cross and find the freedom from sin because we're no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. As we continue into the story, we see then straight after Jesus begins to say, hey, dude, I'm like, going to die. Then the disciples begin to ask each other which of them would ever do a thing. Then they flip in just a moment. Isn't that what sin does? It makes us so self-preoccupied, self-absorbed, selfish, right? But yet then he goes, they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Can you imagine going to someone and go, hey guys, um, I'm just going to die. And it's like, yeah, cool, thanks. Uh, who's going to be awesome here? Who's going to be great? Like, I'd be like, you know, slapping them silly. Come on, like, come on, right? And then yet here it says here they were arguing among themselves who would be the greatest among them. But yet Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. And here Jesus begins to unpack again that this death is not just a physical death, but a metaphor for a a new way of living. That dying to self is God's way of living the full life and the full Christian life. Can I hear an amen? Right? That sounds so foreign. It sounds so countercultural because when you lose your life, you feel like you're going to lose everything. I mean, think about the arguments you have. It's so hard for us to first listen and then speak because we're scared that we're going to lose our argument. We're going to lose our way. Right? We experience that every day in every field, but yet here Jesus gives them this vision that the death of Jesus gives you a new way to live. That the dying of self is a new way to live. That you don't listen to the ways of the world that tells you this is what greatness looks like. In fact, one of the things I was thinking about as I was meditating on this scripture is that the death of Jesus here gives us a metaphor to pursue the things that are truly great in the kingdom of God. But sometimes in the eyes of the world, it seems like you're losing. But you know what? i rather climb up the ladder on the right wall than the wrong wall. Can I hear an Amen. I hear so many people pursuing what the world has defined as being great, awesome, significant, important. And then sometimes even as Christians, we can believe the lies of the world. But yet here Jesus is saying, let me let the cross of Jesus reinterpret that for you. Because this gives you a picture of a new way to live. Because the greatest among you is the one who can die to themselves. You know, um, my son, I remember he was five years old. I was driving him to school, and this mic again. And then uh, it was 8 o'clock in the morning. And then as I was driving, all of a sudden, he just asked me this really weird question. He goes, Dad, is uh, water more powerful than fire? That's a weird question from a young kid at 8 o'clock in the morning, right? But I heard it with this kind of Confucius accent. Daddy, is water more powerful than fire? Right? But I was like, well, what, 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 what do you mean? He goes, well, water puts out fire. Ooh, very deep, right? And then, to which then I decided to lean in on that moment and said, you know, the Bible says it's 
easier for a warrior in his anger to conquer a city than a man to control his temper. Which one's more powerful? The person who can control his temper or the person who can show his anger in his might? He goes, the person who can control his temper. And this is coming from a five-year-old who at that age could tell that dying to self is an incredibly great thing. Can I hear an amen? But yet this is what Jesus is reminding us, that his death gives us a picture of life, that this is a new way to live. By dying to ourself, this is how we can live. I'm 42 this year, and yeah, I know, that sounds old. Woo! Spring chicken, is it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like a spring chicken. Um, but one of my greatest fears is to spend my time of my life, because time is costly, to spend my life climbing up the ladder on the wrong wall. What walls is your ladders leaning on? Because sometimes we can fall into the trap of believing what greatness is as the world defines it. But I want to encourage so many of us here that you may not feel like you're achieving great things by the world's standards, but God sees the dying of yourself, the laying down of your life, and for you to not lose hope that what Jesus did by any earthly standards would sound like a complete failure, but it was his greatest legacy. Can I hear an amen? So if you are in that place, come to the cross because that is where you will find comfort and reassurance and confidence to continue living a life that dies to ourselves. And then here as we continue the story is that then we see Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes, not my will but your will be done again. And then he goes on where he gets arrested, betrayed by Judas, arrested and trialed and in that found to be innocent. And then here we find him on this cross. On the cross between two criminals, one on the left and then one on the right. And then here Jesus again with his self-giving love says, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. That is absolutely incredible. That is an epitome of greatness for someone. And then here, it says here, on one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal pro protest, pro protested? Pro yeah, All right, sorry. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. If I can get uh, Elton up, that'd be great. You know, here we find Jesus again unpacking and repurposing what his death would mean. And here you had two criminals on one side or the other. And one person was criticizing. One person was critiquing, mocking Jesus, saying, prove yourself, save yourself and save us too. But yet, we hear this criminal on his right. It doesn't say here, but it's on his right. He says, don't you even fear God when you've been sentenced to die? 
And he goes, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then Jesus said one of the most scandalous things, one of the most scandalous things that could ever happen. He goes, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want you to sit with that for a little bit because that is absolutely countercultural. How many people have you known? I mean, this criminal, who knows what he had done? Let's say this criminal had accidentally injured and caused the death of one of your child. Think about the greatest hurt and pain that has caused you, someone has caused you. Think about what this criminal would represent in your life, who this criminal would represent, and the pain and the hurt, the life of sin and brokenness that would have caused. You would have thought by this time, it is too late for him to be saved. It felt like his life of sin would have gone too far and was beyond saving. It was such a scandalous moment. It felt like an unfair exchange. It was undeserved. But yet God says, because of your repentance, you can have new beginnings and a new life with me. Can I hear an amen? You know, the other day I was, um, I decided to go, uh, I picked up Judah a little bit early from school and then we decided to go uh, for KFC. As a family, we don't eat KFC that much. Eugenia is not a big fan of KFC. Uh, she thinks that KFC is sin. No, no, I'm putting words in her mouth. I'm putting words in her mouth. But uh, uh, so I, yeah, I was in the drive-thru and I got the KFC thing doing my, my maths calculation and going, let's buy this feast meal for $21. It was a pretty good deal. You know, you get eight chicken drumsticks and six nuggets and two large potato and gravies and two large chips. And, and I was going, that's way too much food for two young boys and one dad to eat. But I'm like, it's $21. It's really cheap, you know? And then I was like wanting to press the button, press the button, and my son Judah was watching, hoping that I would press the button. Uh, you know, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? I'm like, no, no. And then I decided to press the button. And then after that, we got this huge like pack of KFC. And then Judah was like saying, Dad, don't try and hide your sin. <laughs> don't try and hide your shame, you know. Uh, but you know what? Um, in all honest truth, we all have things to hide we have things that we say to ourselves that people may not hear there might have been times and I really believe this conviction for today that there's some of us who have this self-talk within ourselves they go what is wrong with me I am such a loser I'm such a jerk I'm I'm frustrated I, I'm like the person I don't want to be I'm, I'm this people pleaser. I'm so insecure you, you have these labels that you put upon yourself in a straight jacket of self-condemnation and you are like that criminal deserving of all those labels but yet the death of Jesus shows us that in spite of all that it is never too late can I hear an amen? you have never gone too far and if you but repent, turn from your ways, seek the heart of God and receive His forgiveness, we can have a new beginning with Jesus Christ. For the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 
For God made Christ who never sinned to be the sin offering, to be the offering of our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So I want to leave you guys with that this morning. That you and I can have a new beginning with God. Now some of us know this. It's one thing to know this in our heads. It's another thing to extend this to the people around us. Can I hear an amen? And the only way where we can extend it to the people around us is to see that on the outside, I might look better than that criminal, but at the end of the day, in this room, we can only identify with one of those two criminals. Either the criminal on the left, who is mocking Jesus, or the criminal on the right, who says, I deserve death. My righteousness is but filthy rags. But Jesus Christ, I believe you can save me. I believe you can wash me clean. I believe it's the righteousness of Jesus that makes me be able to come back to God and through that have a new beginning. And that is the call of Good Friday this morning. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? So why don't we all rise to our feet? Let's uh, stretch out our hands. And I just want to really, I want to pray. I want to give a call for two things. The first one is um, for those who feel like that criminal where you feel like you've got these labels of self-condemnation that you speak into your mind over and over and over and over again. And why it's so damaging and why it's so caging is because there's truth to it. But yet, the truth that the cross shows us that we are only made right through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because it's His righteousness that makes us clean and makes us holy and makes us right with God. And I want to speak to you, if that's you right now, to come to the cross, to let Jesus say those words over you. I assure you today, you will be with me and you will be in paradise. So I want to pray that over you. And then the second group of people, I want to pray for those who do not know Jesus Christ. That you've heard about the story of Jesus, but for today, like it did for me when I was in university, all of a sudden the scales fell from my eyes. And all of a sudden it's like I understood what that meant for me. I became aware of my sin. I became aware that the greatest problem wasn't the issues around me, but it is within me. And I've tried to rescue myself, but have been not been able. Instead, I've made a mess of my life. But instead, the, you hear the offering of Jesus Christ today, that I've come to change and transform that heart of yours, that hard heart of sin, and replace it with a new heart, and put a new spirit within you, so that you're no longer a slave to the power of sin, but you can be a slave to righteous living in Jesus Christ. So let me just pray over those two groups of people, yeah? So Lord God, we just really want to pray, especially for those who have all these labels over their heads, that people can't see it on the outside, but you know that you're speaking it to yourself over and over and over again. God, I pray that you will break that with your gospel. Yes, we are sinners, but Lord God, you are righteous. We are unholy, but you are holy. 
And Lord, through your sacrifice, you have made them whole, healed, and you can give them a new beginning. You have made them a new creation in Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you break the lies of the enemy that has imprisoned them in the power of sin for so many years. But I pray today by the power of your spirit, God, that you will help them see the provision, the finished work of Jesus Christ today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And now for those who do not know Jesus, and if you want to know this Jesus, I want you to put your hand on your heart and repeat after me, yeah? And let's say all this together. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for I am a sinner. I've walked away from you. I've kept my distance from you. But I thank you for dying on that cross for me. I recognize that the problem is the sin within me. And I thank you for forgiving me and dying on that cross for my sin. I thank you for paying the penalty for my sin so that I can be in relationship with you and have a new beginning with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.